You are now listening to Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, Todd Fox, and Gabby Gap. Police have identified more victims and plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Confirm earlier reports of cannibalism. The building was a scene of ghoulish slaughter. A large kettle on the stove which held boiled body parts. Identified more victims and killed even more. Plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Had sex with some of his victims before he killed them and that he was also a necrophiliac. Hey, 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 welcome into another episode of the Grinding Script Crime Podcast with your host, Gabby Gab, and Chad Fox. And today, narrating will be Maddie Mack. But before we get into this episode, we want to let you guys know where you can find us. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just type in Grinding True Crime, and there you can follow our page, like our page, and comment on our page, and we'll get back to you as soon as possible. Or if you want to listen to us on your podcast stream, just go to Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Pandora, or Podvine. And for those listening to us outside of the U.S., you can continue to listen to us on Radio Public, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Podchaser. Go to redbubble.com, type in Top Fox 80, and there you can get merchandise courtesy of the Grand Two Crime. And also, before we get into it, I was talking with Gabby Gabs earlier today, and we might be getting some other merchandise pretty soon. We'll discuss this with Todd, but stay on the lookout. We might be purchasing some shirts, and uh, pretty soon might be uh, selling them out there soon. So just stay on the lookout for that. And also, if you want to like, if you like what you hear, you want to support what we do. If you want to leave a Cash App donation, you can always go to Cash App and type in dollar sign grinding true crimes. Listener's discretion is advice because we can't get into details that could be graphic and not suitable for certain audience so listeners discretion is advice and last but not least this sunday october 30th 9 a.m pacific time we will be going live so get your calendars ready and tune in on podbean only exclusively on podbean and there we'll be going live at 9 a.m. Pacific time. Is that correct? That is more than correct. All right. Thank you. Okay. Now, we're going to get into this story, and I know I left you guys on a cliffhanger, and Marilyn Rice has been patiently waiting for this. So <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get into it. That's too, Marilyn. We yeah. wanted to strangle him. Quite a few people have been patiently waiting, because if you didn't hear the first part of the case of Jesse michael anderson i suggest you listen to part one before you listen to this story because i briefly talked about his background and i also mentioned how he is connected to a uh high profile uh um i would say you didn't say to what you just said there's a connection yeah it's a connection to a high profile case and um 
you'll see in this part for sure. So without further ado, this is part two of Jesse Michael Anderson. So I left off by briefly talking about him. And the last thing I said was how uh, Jesse and his wife were uh, stabbed multiple times after going to a movie and going to TGIF Friday. And they were both rushed to the hospital. And that is where I left off. So we're going to continue from there. So at the hospital, when the police arrived, they interviewed Jesse. And Jesse told them that when they were getting into the car, that's when the attack happened. And that's when two black men attacked them. However, they didn't demand anything, which was kind of odd. Of course, it's odd because he made this himself. Are you sure? Are you sure about that? <laughs> well, detectives right away got a little suspicious because at the scene of the attack, they interviewed him right then and there briefly. And at that time, he said um, when the attack happened, he heard his wife screaming. He turned around and then he got stabbed. Then he pushed the guy off of him, making the suspect drop his hat. Now he then got stabbed again. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) Oh, okay. Hold on. He then got stabbed again and heard his wife kept screaming. He then tried to drag her under the van to pull her away from safety, to pull her away from the attack. Okay. So Mr. Smoulier was on his way to Subway (laughs) in cold temperatures in the middle of the winter of Chicago. And two black men with MAGA hats came up to them, right? MAGA hats. MAGA hats and tried to s- stab him. Is that is that where we're at right now? Pretty much. Okay, just gotcha. And after being stabbed, he had the strength to pull his wife under a car. Now, wait a minute, Detective Todd and Danny. What makes you think there wasn't two black guys? <laughs> well, yeah, it could have been two white guys with MAGA hats. You know what, man? <laughs> These people always try to blame it on a black person. That's what I want to understand. I mean, well, it's like, the thing to do. Yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> even to this day, unfortunately, it's like you'll see. Like, there was a case where a woman, she literally killed her kids by driving the car into the water. I think even I think it was one of Gabby's stories. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and and look what happened there. The first thing she did to try to pass it off to the police was, "Hey, it's a black guy." You know, yeah. Um, oh yeah, I remember that. That yeah. that story pissed me off. Yep, pissed me off too. I mean, they there's a there's I mean, all unfortunately, it's not just the white race, but there's a lot of races that'll just quickly blame the black guy to throw the police off the trail, off their trail, and get them in a witch hunt. So it's unfair. It sucks, but that's what's happened. Look here, whenever somebody's claiming that the woman got the worst part of the attack, and he miraculously survived with four punctures and still had the energy and the strength to try and save her and pull her under a car to protect her. Yet she was stabbed over 20 times in the head, but they're demanding nothing at all. Normally one could subdue the woman. Okay. Let's get real while attacking the man. If he doesn't give them what they want. So this whole story is baloney. Yeah, because... Yes, because 
they could have easily kept a hold of her if it was two men while demanding things from him. He would have gotten the worst beating, not her. Yeah, I mean, if they're not going to rob her of, like, jewelry or anything else like that, they're going to sexually assault her or something, kidnap her. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't see two guys kidnapping and ass sexually assaulting the guy. I mean, they're going to go after the woman, just saying. That's, like, 99.9%. .9%. I mean, unless he's a high-profile dude and they're trying to kidnap him for whatever reason, they're going to mess him up more and take the woman. You know, because usually we do these stories and the men's the first one to get killed shot in the head and then whatever happens to the woman whatever happens to the woman so i'm with gabby yeah and it wouldn't be so gruesome uh, they true. would have hurt her maybe to kill her it wasn't necessary to stab her that much that shows how much anger the person has toward her and who's angry at her him he can't stand her exactly gabby you, you know better than anybody as a detective that you are as a wang cutter mm -hmm. that you are um, what, what usually happens? I mean, and when you see a, like stabbings like this on a person, like if you're just in there to rob the person, you maybe stab them a couple, two, three, four times, maybe just to make sure they're dead. But you see like 30, 40, 50 times. That's overkill. That's hate. That's yeah. hatred. You just don't walk up to someone and just absolutely hate them unless you're on you bath salts. You a stranger. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you don't do that to a stranger. You're, you're like, you stupid. You're like, you're yelling at them at every word you're saying about them. You're stabbing them. <laughs> and let's say they were drugged or something. Then he would have gotten the same damn thing. Exactly. See? See, Matt? Case closed. Amen. Case. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't even finish. <laughs> <laughs> Let's wrap the this one up, Johnson. The two suspects fled the scene, by the way. That's what he said. I I didn't... <laughs> now, me and Gabby already sprinkled the crack. Out. It's over. They don't exist. Just sprinkle some crack on them, Johnson. Let's get out That's of here. That's it, man. <laughs> Y'all spent like six minutes on your soliloquy telling you, <laughs> talking about how, how uh, this person didn't exist. You pretty much solved the case, huh? <laughs> <laughs> on to the next one. Mm. On to the next one. <laughs> no, go oh, ahead. He go finished ahead. the sentence by saying that the two suspects fled. The oh, oh, I see. Yeah. So we jumped the so, gun. So we jumped the gun. <laughs> <laughs> so detectives went on to interview him several times um, for the next few days. And each time, his stories were never the same. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So on April 22nd, which is the day after the stabbing, he said that as soon as he heard his wife scream, he turned and saw that she was being stabbed by one of the men. He tried to come to her aid, but was later stabbed by the same guy. At that point, she fell down and stopped screaming and crawled under the van while the other one tried to grab her. That's when he tried to get in the car and use his car phone to get help, but fell to the ground. Then he miraculously reached out to pull his wife further under the van to save her. Hmm. <laughs> the next day, they interviewed him again, and pretty much his story aligned uh, uh, with the uh, past story. However, he left out the part that um, he was trying to get in the car. So each day, he he left some parts out, and it just it was all over the place. So detectives already got their eyes on him. Um, yeah, as they should, as they should. Sadly, on uh, April 23rd, 
two days later, um, Jesse decided to pull the plug uh, on his wife, ending her life, stating that it was never her wish to be uh, on life support and that she would rather die. That is what he said. Only two days? Wow. Two days. I thought he'd have rushed to the hospital and done it right away. How many times was she stabbed in total again? Uh, 21 times. Oh, 21 times. Yeah, he's like, he's like, you know, it was her wish that if she was only stabbed 20 times to keep her on life support, but 21 is one too many. So, yeah, I'm sorry, doctor. Pull the plug. Pull it. <laughs> he's like, nah, you know what? I'll pull it for you. Yoink. Yep, pretty much. Uh, you guys. <laughs> the next day, Jesse miraculously was listed in stable condition and the chest, uh, the tube that he had in his chest had finally been removed and he was able to walk again. However, he still remained in the hospital. So um, he did receive a, a decent wound. So he, he was... Uh, of course he did. It had to be believable. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. He wasn't going to grab the knife and give himself four little cuts. <laughs> Be like, I got attacked too. <laughs> He's all, listen, I was stabbed with a spork. Those hurt. They're kind of jagged. Stop it. Stop it, guys. <laughs> You're like, pretty you much giving away. He's like, you never know, man. Don't Those things are me. half spoon, half fork. Spork. <laughs> Thus the spork. It um, even broke when they stabbed me, okay? That's how hard they did it. Snap yeah. right now. I got a couple spork pieces stuck in my chest. Those can get infected. Wait a minute, this guy got wounded, man. Y'all laughing at him. How disrespectful are you? The disrespect. He's evil, okay? Yeah, we're not we buying this. Even... We're not buying we the smoothie. Wait a minute, we haven't even proved this innocence or guilt. You guys are already laughing. Because he's still evil. We're, I just, we got this feeling, man. It's got this feeling. I got a feeling. So y'all are adamant on him being the one? Yes. No mm -hmm. two black guys? No. Okay. No. What about you, Todd? I'm the same with Gabby on this one. Please, okay. What yeah. she said. You know what? I'm, I'm sharp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sharpening up the knife for her to cut the wing. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> we're like we're going straight for the wing. Like guilty. You guys, man, you're too much. <laughs> <laughs> so he's still in the hospital, but by this time, rumors. Uh, are starting to speculate about these so-called two black men that he was so adamant that um, that he, he was adamantly stating that they did it, but rumors were circulating that these two men never even existed. Mm -hmm. So for the next couple of days, police would search his car and search his home. And during the uh, search of his home, they found something that really got their attention. What do you guys think they found? Ooh. I will give you a hint. You got to go back to part one. Oh, come on. Mm. His collection of weapons. What do you think, Todd? And the letter she wrote to him. What do you think, Todd? Um, how to cook your... Um, how to cook. <laughs> how to kill your we wife. Never... A book. Never... <laughs> for dummies. Yeah, for dummies. <laughs> Like, He's like, I'm stuck on really chapter four. <laughs> is that really your answer? Yeah, I'm, that's my final answer. Oh. 
Gabby nailed it on the second part. Oh. You got it, the letter. They found the letter that she wrote. If you remember in part one, she wrote a letter that she never gave to him mm-hmm. about him abusing her and that she will stop. Uh, she will work on the weight if he will stop abusing her. And he never gave her that letter. And they stumbled upon it and discovered that he was physically abusive to uh, Barbara. Those are Candace. So they were definitely some Candace. Man, that's good. Seems like me and Gabby are the Johnsons. I'd have been like, look for his sport <laughs> collection. Well, I mean, she said it right. You're the one, you're the one that said killer wife or dummy. <laughs> Speak for yourself, book. <laughs> well, hey, Gabby, come on. Let's go look for some stuff in his house. Well, it seems, it seems like he's the only Johnson on this one. I guess so. It seems. <laughs> but it could be true that it could be two black men remember really? he's connected it could be true hmm. there's a twist okay in the first part i gave you my guesses okay that if it wasn't him he got someone to join him mm. those were my two guesses so it could he be got a... somebody to do this or he did it himself so it could be a jesse smollett no juicy smollett i'm sorry yeah juicy he's french <laughs> That's right. So, after uh, finding the letter, the very next day, on April 25th, 1992, uh, Jesse was finally released from the hospital. However, immediately, he was transferred in an unmarked squad car and sent to the police station. And there he was interviewed uh, a couple of more times about the attack. And on the very next day, on April 26th, Police Chief Philip Ariola announced his arrest on suspicion of killing his wife. Hmm. It was later revealed that within hours of the stabbing, detectives determined that his story and the evidence were not adding up. Yep. His story about, you know, what happened and it kept he kept changing it and the evidence of the stab wounds i'll explain his wounds were minor despite one stab wound puncturing his lung it was never life-threatening none of his wounds however on barbara's hand uh, on barbara's side uh they she had brutal deep passionate stab wounds to her face and head and also defensive stab wounds to her hands. Yep. Mm-hmm. So when they saw that, plus the uh, so he had no defense. So, so uh, it wasn't looking pretty good for your man Jesse. And there was also one key thing that they noted that he never did that really alerted them. What do you think that was what key thing that he never did that really alerted them? He never cried for her. He never showed emotion. Um, she's I, I think that might be the answer, but I'll just play uh, I, uh, my answer will be a little different. I, I think he he uh, didn't ask about her, you know, after the stabbing or wasn't too concerned. Like as far as her well-being, more concerned about his stab wounds. 
You guys are both correct. Um, they noted that he never asked the investigator to find his wife's killer. Oh, also, the fact that when in the hospital, when he was informed of Barbara's condition, he was adamant on pulling the plug immediately. <laughs> Stop it, guys. I'm, I'm sorry. Because I'm like, I'm like thinking he's in bed. Like, I got this spork wound. I accidentally <laughs> went too far, hit a lung. He's all, is B dead yet? Like, like literally, you know, he's like, pull a plug. Like, damn it. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Jeez. Jesus. That's sad, man. I mean, God dang it. I mean, can you be more obvious? Right. I mean, what what can you say? I mean, he might as well been calling might as well been calling the uh if he had a cell phone at that time, like which I think he did or a car phone, he might as well been calling his life and in- her life insurance at the same time while they're trying to save her life. Right. <laughs> Already trying to cash in. Yeah, 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 yo. By the end of the week, she should be dead. So, can I get a check? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. God. So all of that, on top of the fact that the suspects didn't demand anything before the attack, as well as the fact that Barbara's purse, all of her jewelry, and all of her money, cards, and everything was still on the scene. Yep conflicted with the, the initial assumption that the crime was a robbery because that's what he initially uh, said. In the, oh, that's uh, right. Beginning. That's right. And even the eyewitnesses who were present at the scene said that they didn't recall seeing anyone fleeing or near the scene at all. So all these factors, as well as the fact that he showed no emotions or cried when they informed him about his wife, pretty much confirmed that Jesse may be the one and only suspect. Indeed. What are you guys getting so far? As you say, babe, indubitably. Indubitably. I agree. You guys, what are you guys thinking so far? <laughs> Do you still think it, it, it could it could be someone else out there? Nope. Really? No, I'm, I'm there. You don't think he, he hired anybody? Yeah, he could have, but he participated himself. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that'd, that'd be the stretch I'd go if, if anything. That'd be the only other solution. I just don't. I don't see it being random. Like you said, the crime scene, There's if it's supposedly a robbery and nothing's taken, come on. Come on. Even in a botched I, robbery after you stab someone, you still try to jack something. I, I, I hear you. I You're hear right, you. Todd. Nothing was taken. Yeah. You Not, go, Johnson. Nothing was taken. <laughs> I have a feeling this was a setup. No, but it's taken, okay? It's taken? Oh, yeah. Taken. Taken. We gotta say taken because well, you know me, some people correct our grammar. Well, let me just spell it out correctly: T O O K capital E N. The end. Taken. <laughs> Don't judge how the way we talk, y'all. Or spell. <laughs> or spell. So on April twenty-seventh, um, Jesse. <coughs> excuse me. So he was already arrested on suspicion of uh, killing his wife. So on April 27th, uh, Jesse was allowed to pay his respect to his wife before the funeral. So they were going to have a funeral for um, for Barbara. The police did this on purpose. They wanted, they allowed him to go to, uh, before the funeral. Why do you think they did that? Because they wanted to see his reaction to further prove that this man hated her, he did not love her, and he was guilty. And also to see if anybody else showed up. That is true. Uh, 
I think they were a little suspicious when he was uh, by her casket and he was singing, we're in the money. We're oh my in God. the money. <laughs> they were like, wait a minute, Johnson. I don't like his tune. Oh, my goodness, man. I swear. <laughs> you're both, well, technically you're right, too, Ty. <laughs> um. Yeah, exactly what Gabby said. The police did this on purpose to see uh, his reaction or to see if he can, he will finally give a confession. Mm-hmm. So when he finally did arrive to the casket after being escorted and he was handcuffed, his demeanor suddenly changed. At first he was, you know, cold and didn't really show any emotion. When he arrived to the casket, he had so much emotion and he said, Honey, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I love you. And he became very emotional. However, he was never crying. So it was all dry tears. He was being dramatic. He was being dramatic. On top of that, he got a random nosebleed and claimed that he wasn't feeling too good. So they had to escort him to the bathroom and to get him all cleaned up. And after hours later, he was back to normal. Later on, on that same day, um, during the trial, he was held on a million-dollar bond in connection to the murder of his uh, of his wife, and his relative didn't say who would take temporary custody of their three kids. Okay. On April 28th, prosecutors charged Jesse with first-degree intentional homicide, which carried a mandatory life sentence. During the trial, the uh, during the trial, the prosecutor indicated that insurance money may also may have been a motive in him killing his wife, Bingo. as well as them not getting along uh, as being one of the main motives. But insurance money was also a motive in him killing his wife. How much was it? Didn't say. Didn't uh, didn't go into detail on that. But they did. That's what the uh, prosecutors claimed. Of course, Jesse denied everything. And so, uh, you know, there was nothing they could do. So we're going to fast forward a little bit. Like I was telling you earlier, Todd, I did, uh, and Gabby, I did leave out some details. Wasn't really major details, but just small little details that could have extended the story a little longer. But for the sake of time, I left it out. But if you guys will want to, now you can look up Jesse uh, Michael Anderson. So we're going to move forward to August 13th, 1992, which is about, what, five months later? Mm-hmm. An all-white jury found Jesse guilty of murdering uh, Barbara, his wife, and he was to serve his life sentence without the possibility of a parole until the year 2052. Whoa. So... Uh, you figure 1992 to 2052? How many years is that? Let me do the math. 62 years? No, 60 years. I'm sorry. Yeah. <clears throat> and how old was he at that point? Uh, I got to go back. He's white he as a... well, right? Yeah, he's white. Yeah, he's white. Yeah, it's actually a, a jury of his peers, actually. Yeah, he had an all-white jury. Okay. But get this. But get this. Mm-hmm. He claimed that the judge and the jurors were being biased towards him because due to the fact that the case got so much publicity 
he felt that they were just being biased on him. Oh, so he wanted a change of venue type. Thing. He wanted to change the venue. Okay. He thought it was. He felt that uh, it was too, many- too much publicity on his case, and that um, because it was a high profile, that the jurors just wanted to, uh, the judge and jurors were being uh, picking on him and just wanted to find him guilty. Yeah, like they knew about the story because it was all over the news, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's like hard to do too. Like a lot of a lot of these celebrities will find it hard to do, or like a high profile case because the hometown or home state you know, they blow it up, you know? So that's why, like, no matter what, I mean, OJ couldn't get, you know, uh, anybody that said, oh, I didn't know about the case. Like, everyone and their mama knew about it. So Everyone. Yeah. So there's, there's, I, I could see where you could say that, but if there's overwhelming evidence, I mean, it really doesn't matter where you have it. Yeah. So the judge denied all that. And um, before he was walked out of the courtroom, he said something that was, What's the word I'm looking for? Controversial? No, not controversial. It was just like, wow. The word is wow. Cringe? I would say cringe. What do you think he said? Um, Yeah, I don't know. Y'all hate me because I'm black? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I don't know. (laughs) It was just something he said. I was like, really, dude? There you go. It was just one of those, really, dude? Oh, okay. Something like it's not like you can bring her back. Okay, what do you think? I thought I was going to get more money from the insurance. No. What? He was adamant and saying that I will continue to search for my wife's two killers and those two black men. <laughs> That's exactly wow. what he said. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. we're all like uh yeah that's what he said (laughs) did he cry at his sentence no no emotions no emotions he knew he deserved it yeah now here is the twist twist we got a twist let's hear it so anderson began serving his sentence at the columbia correctional institution a maximum security prison located in portage wisconsin and there he worked in the educational corps, tutoring other inmates on computers and in the recreation department. And he had an assistant with him as well. Okay. We're going to get into details of who that assistant was. But first, let's continue. In 1993, a $20 million worth wrongful death suit was filed against Anderson on behalf of his children to keep him from profiting from his crime. The suit was postponed until 1995. And in August 1993, a court ruling uh, terminated Anderson's right to manage and control his household assets. Meanwhile, his attorney asked that he be allowed to withdraw from representing him. Jesse had filed papers on his own to appeal the ruling and also filed an uh, affidavit of indigency, drawing a blank, indigency, notifying the court that he had no money to pay for a new attorney. And so <clears throat> on April 21st, 1994, which was the second year anniversary of his wife's murder, Addison was ordered to spend five days in solitary confinement, followed by 180 days without recreation 
for defacing a fellow inmate's portrait of MLK in an attempt to frame another prisoner he disliked. Mm. Are you guys? Are you guys kind of getting what's happening? Are you guys kind of seeing where we're leading to? Martin Luther King. He defaced a fellow inmate's portrait of MLK. So he ain't feeling black people. Yeah, he's kind of racist. Kind of racist. He blamed it on two black people. Uh-huh. He's defacing two, uh, 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 an inmate's portrait of MLK. And more likely the inmate was a black person. Uh-huh. You guys getting where we're getting at? Mm-hmm. No. You get it, Todd? Well, I mean, maybe he's going to join the uh, white supremacist gang in the prison. It's the only thing mm-hmm. I can think of. Someone's going to kill him. You're not seeing the connection? No. Mm-mm. Um. Well, what happens next, four months later, would definitely give you the clue. It was the morning of November 28, 1995, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Jesse Anderson and one of his, two of his inmates, one by the name of... Jeffrey Dahmer and fellow inmate murderer Christopher Scarver were led to clean bathrooms in the prison gymnasium by correction officer who left them unattended. According to Scarver, Dahmer and Anderson poked him and poked him in the back and laughed. Later, Scarver grabbed a steel bar from weightlifting equipment and confronted Dahmer with a newspaper article detailing his crimes and asked him if he did those things. At that point, he brutally bludgeoned him in the head. Later, he did the same thing to Anderson. Dahmer died of a massive head injury on the very same day, while Anderson was transferred in very serious serious condition from the Divine Savior Hospital of Portage to the University of Wisconsin Hospital and Clinics in Madison. And just like his wife, he died two days after being on life support the morning of November 30th, 1995. Oh snap! So wait a minute. Now I'm just completely like. That was the twist. Anderson was Dahmer's buddy. Anderson was Dahmer's buddy. Okay, in the show though, he's black, not white. No, he was the one that was cleaning that went into the bathroom first. Yeah. Yeah. In the series, he's black. He was white. I don't recall him being white. He was right. white. He was right. <laughs> you didn't expect that, huh, Todd? No, because, like, <clears throat> the only thing, look, and I've I've followed the Dahmer case, you know, when Gabby did it, the show and everything else like that. Um, I've never, I've never heard of a second person dying other than Dahmer. I just knew that the guy beat to death Dahmer, and then he, like, claimed responsibility, took the credit, and was like, hey, he was even like a distant cousin to one of the victims or something like that. So like I knew about that. I didn't know about this guy getting murdered too by the same dude. Yeah, it was two murders. He murdered two people. Damn. I told you there was a twist. That caught me off guard big time. Yeah. You know what? Now it's dawning on you? No. I'm just thinking about the day Dahmer was murdered. I felt so sorry for the other guy he killed 
thinking, well, he had nothing to do with Dahmer. That's <laughs> jacked up. And now it's like, well, you deserve it, bastard. You know what it was? After the guy like beat the hell out of Dahmer, he was probably like, so, what are your thoughts on black people? And he's like, well, I'm not really in favor of them. Give me here! <laughs> Boom! <laughs> you know? Didn't he kill him first? He killed Dahmer first. But in the movie, they show that he killed. Yeah, in the series, they showed that he killed the other guy. But yeah, he killed Dahmer first. Yeah, I thought they because I thought that was an inconsistency because there was a few inconsistencies in the Dahmer thing. Because yeah, I I saw like a top ten thing of like inconsistencies in the actual drama. So I thought that was one of them. Like they just played that into the script. I gotta look that up now because I didn't know there was two people that died. I thought it was only Dahmer that got killed. Well, now you can look it up. Now I haven't revealed who we, he we is. We need to rewatch the last episode because I could swear that guy was black. He was white. Wow. So carrying on. Um, so he died, like I said, the morning of November 30th after um, he was on life support. And so they interviewed um, uh, Scar- Scarver in 2015. And uh, he revealed his motive for the murders. As for Dahmer, obviously he was disgusted by his crimes and sickening sense of humor. According to Scarver, Dahmer would fashion severed uh, severed limbs out of prison food to taunt other inmates. Mm -hmm. As for Anderson, he murdered him because in the eyes of Scarver, he was a racist. He had to face the portrait of MLK and he tried to pin the murder of his wife on two black men. Scarver added that he believed it was no accident that he ended up alone with Dahmer since prison officials knew he hated him and they wanted him dead. However, an investigation following the killing determined he acted alone. The Anderson case brought attention to the fact that under Wisconsin law, a parent being convicted for the murder of their child's other parent was not grounds for revoking their parental rights preventing the Anderson's children from being put in foster care. So this inspired the state legislators to introduce the Barbara Lynch Anderson bill to change the law and eliminate the situation. Wow. So so he killed the mother of his children. Yes. By law, they were still his children. Nobody else was allowed to take those kids. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. First... Okay, I, I got to read this because I just looked up this real quick. I, I see Jesse Anderson right here, and he's right. Peter. In the bike. No, I just saw it right now because he said, said it. I could look it up now. So I did. Oh, okay. But, right, but, right, <laughs> but right now, it's, it's I look on his biography or whatever, but it has a picture of him, right? And then it says, mm-hmm. full name, Jesse Michael Anderson, alias Mike Anderson, occupation, various, hobbies, weightlifting, goals, kill his wife and get away with it. And then it said... And then it says failed. So he failed to kill his wife. And it says crimes, murder, type of villain, racist killer. Wow. I, I mean, I don't remember him being a racist killer. I mean, I know he, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I don't remember. I don't recall him being a racist, but. Yeah, and then. I but mean, then how could he not be a racist when he's trying no, to pin racist it on black killer. He says racist he's killer. Both. He he's only killed. No. Oh, unless he's saying a racist and a killer. And a killer. Okay. Okay. Then that, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. But here's that the one. Sense. Here's the one I want to laugh at though. 
Christopher J. Scarver, the guy who murdered both of them. It says Milwaukee, Wisconsin, United States origin, occupation, prison inmate, carpenter formerly. Here's his goals. Kill John Fayne, which he was uh, arraigned for, <laughs> succeeded. Uh, kill Jeffrey Dahmer, succeeded. And then it says crimes, murder, type of villain, vengeful thug. What? Oh, <laughs> Where is that on Wikipedia? This is on a Wikipedia freaking uh, it's a real life villains Wikipedia. Wow, <laughs> and we're not laughing at the victims, obviously, but just laughing at what it says. Yeah, what it says is, I mean, the description is crazy. I mean, okay, whatever. Wow, <laughs> I'm laughing at his prison victims. I'm laughing at Dahmer, and I'm laughing at Anderson. They they had it coming. You can't laugh at them. They had it coming. We got audience. They had complete disregard for innocent people. The audience are going to be saying stuff about us. Yeah, they're going to celebrate me. <laughs> you know, being sarcastic, right? You know, we have to get an off with her, off with his Wang shirt, right? We have to. Well, did he deserve off with his Wang? I mean, I mean, I don't got, know. I mean, he I got mean, beat to death. Off with his hands, yeah. Off with his tongue for being a verbally abusive bastard. Yeah. Did y'all see that coming though? No. I did not see a tight. Something in my mind earlier thought about Dahmer, but that's because we've been watching it so much that I thought like there's no way. I thought, I, just let it I thought for sure Tom was gonna get it. It ties what? into something. When you were talking about that, I didn't know that. So I didn't I thought for sure Tom was gonna get it when I said Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. see, that should have told us, but Yeah, I was still I was still trying to get the connection. But mm-hmm. when I started to get it, when you said there was three guys that were working in, the, I was oh, I think I know where this is going. I think when I you said they were working cleaning the gym, that's when I got it. Yeah, I had the image of the series. Yeah. Well, that was the case of Jesse Michael Anderson. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And I'm sorry I left you on a cliffhanger, but that's just something I had to do now. <clears throat> Yeah, we got we got to hope to put these two these two episodes out in one week. You know, when when obviously, hopefully, you guys can move closer. That'll be a big thing. But uh, man, I, I know we had a lot of people messaging us like, "Dude, when is he gonna finish the second one?" <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, I just posted it yesterday. Relax. <laughs> yeah. So that is the story. Wow. Well, thank you for bringing this one up uh, to us because again, this is a. This should have actually followed uh, Gabby's Dahmer case, because then you know what I mean, like you could have been like, "Here's the other side of it." Yeah, that would have been cool, huh? Yeah. Well, then we got to cover uh, Christopher Scarver's case. No, 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 you're <laughs> ruining it. <laughs> what did I do? I already claimed him. Oh, well, then set me up then. <laughs> I don't know this story. Because of this whole Dahmer situation in the series, I decided I'm going to do Scarver's story. I don't know his story. I don't even know why he was in prison. Yeah, well, we got to see why he went to prison. Until I do the story. You can't search it. Fine. What's his name again? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that is it, you guys. I hope you enjoyed part two of the Jesse Michael Anderson story. Um, we're signing off, but before we do, I want to let you guys know where you can find us. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just type in Grinding True Crime. There you can find our page, like our page, and comment on our page. And we'll get back to you as soon as possible. And if you'd like to listen to us on your podcast stream, you can listen to us on... Wait, 
podcast thing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Pandora, and Podbean had a had a brain fart. And for those listening to us outside of the country, I mean outside of the U.S., you can listen to us on Radio Public, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Podchaser. And quick reminder: this Sunday, 9 a.m. Pacific time, we are doing what? October 30th live show exclusively on Podbean. Thank you. <laughs> we, we we need a post. Yes. Instead of my dramatic pause, I'm Podbean. Podbean. <laughs> so yeah, 9 a.m. October 30th exclusively on Podbean. 9 a.m. Pacific time. Set your alarms. We know Sherry's going to be listening. Yes. Who else? You kid. He he always chimes in. Who else? Everyone else that chimes in. Yeah, we get a lot of people on there and then a lot, a lot of new of ones too. Yeah, so stay tuned. We'll be talking about, obviously, crime stuff. Yeah, we'll run a case maybe or two small ones. Like That's what we usually do, like one or two small cases, and then we get your feedback, what you guys think. <laughs> and then we'll also just uh, shoot the you-know-what. So it works. Shoot the breeze. There you go. And talk about... Uh, crumpets and and teeth. Yes, and do various uh, voices. So. <laughs> so that's been another episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it. This has been your host, Gabby Gab, and Todd Fox, encouraging you to leave a five star rating. <laughs> Thank you very much. And this has been Maddie Matt. Peace. Toodles. Oh, you're all come back now. You're here. <laughs> what? The- <laughs>